This morning, we're about to uh, start this series, and we're going to be looking at Caleb. And uh, I'm always impressed with Caleb, but for those who don't know where that comes into the Bible, well, he was one of 12 spies. There was a spy, or uh, for want of another word, they were a scout. When uh, Moses led them to the promised land, he sent the one from each of the 12 tribes. There was 12 of them, and uh, Caleb was from the tribe of Judah. He was just one of the 12, along with Joshua as well. And they went up into the promised land just to check out, to see if God was really was what God said it was going to be. And they were all amazed at the fruit. They were amazed at how fantastic it all was. And it was a, uh, really a land of milk and honey, as, as they'd been told. But not only was it really good, there were some really big people there and that really scared them and um, so we're going to look at Caleb and why, why was it that, that God was so impressed with Caleb and uh, why was it that um, at least 10 of the other 12 spies panicked and forgot all about God's ability as we've just sung about how great our God is and um, Caleb was a man that remembered that. I wonder as we look at Caleb, what giants in our lives are, a threat, are, th- are threatening us? What, what things are just seem too big for us to handle? And uh, I hope as we look at the lessons we can learn from Caleb and as we unpack that and look through scripture, we can, we can take some of those lessons for ourselves. And also, what was it about Caleb that impressed God and caused him, caused God to be impressed and say, he was a man with a different spirit? What was his difference that God picked up on? And God was, to get a compliment from that, if, if I could get a compliment from God, I think that would be about the pinnacle. I really don't mind compliments from anybody else, but from God, that's really something. And, uh, and what was it about Caleb that drew God's attention. Let's have a look at Numbers 13. We'll, we'll pick, it, pick it up in uh, verse 30 chapter, in, from chapter 13. And then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They're stronger than we are. And they spread they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land that they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are great size. We saw the Nephilim there, the descendants of Anak that came from Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes and we looked the same to them. And then in, in chapter 14, we'll skip down to verse 23. And this is what God was saying to them. None of them will ever see the land I promised an oath to the ancestors. No one has treated me with such contempt will ever see it. But because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him to the land he went to and his descendants will inherit it. Will inherit it. It's interesting to note how Caleb's faith also flowed on 
to the next generation. And so will ours. Our lives and what we stand for will flow on for the next generation. It's not just for us here and now. We don't, we don't do these things just to make ourselves feel good. And we don't even do it just even for our family, but we do it for the next generations that will come, our grandchildren and the grandchildren after those. And not only our own, but those we influence, those we influence for good. We might say, well, I haven't got any children, I haven't got any grandchildren, but actually you have, because all the next generation are still your children. And that's why I'm so proud to be a part of, part of a church that has such a heart for children, have a heart for the youth and the, the, uh, the young people, that we know there's going to be another generation and another one after that. It will keep going. So we're going to look at three points of three things that come out of Caleb that we can learn from Caleb. And the first one is his faith. Caleb's had, had a great faith. He had a great trust in God. Faith is an essential ingredient of part of God's plan. And um, we read in scripture that without faith, we can't please God. We must first have faith. Faith is always a choice. It's not something we either have or we don't have. It's a choice. And we see that when Jesus healed blind Bartimaeus. Blind Bartimaeus could have just sat there and said, oh, I wish he'd come after me. Look, he's healing everybody else, but he didn't. He jumped up. He made himself known. He was stepped out in faith and, uh, and cried out to Jesus to heal him. So it was, it was a choice. It was a choice and it was an action that he had to take, take place. So the spies had sowed doubt also in the rest of Israel and the whole of Israel turned against Caleb and Joshua who were the only ones that said, look, God can do it. And so God, we see there, the negative attitude, the negativity that draws other people's and ruins other people's faith, it takes them away from God's plan, is something that God was certainly not pleased with. God wants us to be dependent upon him. And he doesn't want our poor self-image to affect our trust in him. As we saw by the other spies, they said, we look like grasshoppers. We were so small. We were nothing. They allowed their self-image, they allowed their own ability or lack of their ability to determine whether they were going to trust God or not, which is ridiculous. And uh, faith is always a thing of stepping out of the boat, that stepping out of the boat type faith that Peter had and he, when he was walking on water. And that's what faith is. It's, it's not having all the answers, but it's obeying God no matter what. So let's be determined that uh, we don't sow negativity or dissension because that's a tool of the enemy. That was the tool of the enemy to keep all of Israel out of the promised land. At least kept them out for that 40 years. There was a year for every day. They took 40 days to explore that land and they lost a year for every day. And it wasn't until God had allowed all that generation and all the other spies, except for Caleb and Joshua, had died. And then 
Caleb and Joshua are able to see the promised land as they said they would and said they could with God's help. So we need to be prepared to take a risk-taking faith. And um, it means stepping out into an unknown environment a lot of the time. Faith is never about stuff that's easy or obvious. And uh, when you think about if, if you were playing... If you were playing baseball and you wanted to get to the next base, you'd never get there if you kept standing on the one you're on thinking, I mightn't make it. You have to have a run for it. You have to have a go. And faith is like that. When God tells you, that's the base I want you to go for, that one over there, and you think, oh, I don't know. I don't think I'm, I'm good enough. Well, it's not about us being good enough. And that's what faith is all about scripture says all things work together for good that those who love God and are called according to his purpose and that's why we need to look at our, look at the hardships we face look at those giants that we come up against sometimes those giants might be ill health sometimes they might be tragedy or a loss of a loved one we're going to have those giants the things that want to keep us down the things that want to stop us going forward it might be a virus, the COVID virus, and we think, oh, where's my business going now? I'm right in the middle of this. Those sort of giants we're going to come up, up against over and over again. And that's why we need to depend on God who is far bigger. He's far bigger than any virus. He's far bigger than anything we can come against. He's, he's far bigger than any of those giants that uh, Israel faced as they wanted to enter the promised land and it was only when they trusted God and said we'll do it anyway that they did so we need that faith the second aspect I see from Caleb is he had a lot of fight in him he wasn't dependent on his own strength but he had a lot of fight and um, it's interesting to read there in um, Joshua 14 and uh, this was Caleb saying, Now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years. For 45 years since the time Moses, uh, he said this to Moses, Israel moved about in the wilderness. So here I am today at 85 years old and I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go into battle now as I was then Caleb just didn't walk into the promised land but he partnered with God and if we're to walk into what God's got for us into our promised land and the promises of God we'll do it as we partner with God but Caleb was prepared to do battle he was prepared to get out of his comfort zone and um in Ephesians, we read that we fight not against flesh and blood, but powers of an unseen world. And sometimes it puzzles us how we come up against these huge so-called giants. But there's an enemy out there that likes to put them in our way, just to test our faith and, uh, and causes negative, negativity and dissension. So we need to watch where, that we don't embark on that, that we stay confident in God. And um, if we're to take on those promises of God, we see in Matthew eleven twelve it talks about 
there will need to be a fight. It says there in 11.12, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing and forceful men lay hold of it. It doesn't come passively. We need to be active. We need to be proactive. We don't just sit down and let stuff just happen. We actually need to be active. And that's what that scripture is talking about. When it talks about forceful people lay hold of it, it's not talking about force in the terms of a war or that sort of thing. It's talking about activity, not just going to sleep on it and thinking it's all going to be hunky-dory at the end. We actually have to go and take the promised land. We have to do stuff. As uh, Caleb did, he didn't just sit on the edge and look out at the promised land and said, whoopee, God's going to bring it to me. He had to go and get it. And, um, and that's what that scripture, that's what Jesus was talking about, uh, or Matthew was talking about in that scripture. Paul talks about needing to run to win. And uh, in 1 Corinthians 9, 24, he says, Do you not know that in a race all runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. And then he goes on to say, Everyone competes in the games, goes into strict training. They do it for a crown that will, be, that will not last, but we do it for a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and make it a slave so that after I've preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. It's a deliberate action. His goal is up there and he sets out to achieve it. He doesn't just sit and wait. So there's a fight involved. But you know, often the biggest fight is in our minds. The biggest fight is between our ears. And um, it's a, often a mental fight against fear and negative opinion. It's a fight against discouragement. We've got to win that battle before we can win any other battle. And um, we, we saw that in uh, Numbers 13, 33, where they said they seemed like grasshoppers to, in, compared to their enemy. They looked at their, how small they felt and saw. We can easily look at our inability. We can say, oh, who am I? I've got nothing. You know, that's where God wants us because he wants us to look to him who has everything. And, um, and that's where faith comes in. If God's put something on your heart and is calling you to do whatever it is, if you can do it in your ability, it's probably not of God. You need to do it in his ability. It's got to be bigger than we are. And um, you know that verse 33 where it said, we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes and we looked the same to them. If we're feeling like that, we need to do some battle in our minds and call out to God. Caleb would have trained to do battle and we need to train our minds. In 2 Corinthians 10 and 5, Paul says, Take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. The enemy to faith is our imagination and that's why we need to take every thought and make it obedient to Christ. I think last week that was a scripture that Andrew had in his message and it's something that I'm always needing to remind myself. 
We need to control our thought life. We need to control our thinking. If we start to think negative stuff about ourselves, in fact, about anyone, it's not of God. We need to look at through God's eyes and take every thought captive and make it obedient to what the Word says and what the Word says about us. And the third thing we notice with Caleb was his focus. He never gave up on his dream. He never lost sight of what he was called to do. Forty years later, we read in Joshua 14, Now the people of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgal, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh and the Kenizzite, said to him, You know what the Lord had said to, to Moses, the, the man of God at Kadesh Barnea, about you and me? I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me to Kadesh Barnea to explore the land, and I brought him back a report according to my convictions. But my fellow Israelites who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt in fear. I, however, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. So on that day, Moses swore to me, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever, because you have followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. In, that, in the story of, um, of Caleb, that, that section was mentioned twice. I believe it's very important as we remember that as we firstly focus on what he's given us but realise there again as it says he will give it that promised land as an inheritance to our children let's not think our efforts are wasted as we focus on what his calling is and um, Caleb just focused on God's promises and his faithfulness and um, Sometimes we need to just check our bearings as to whether we're going off track. It's very easy to go off track. But the great thing is we can come back on at any points in time. God is always the God of the second chance and the third and the fourth. And so we can always come back. And that's the exciting thing. But we're told in uh, John 15 and 4 that we need to stay close to him. Remain in me and I will remain in you. Because no branch can bear fruit by itself. No branch can bear fruit by itself. We need to be part of the vine. We need to, we're not supposed to be just islands. We need each other. We need to be part of that body. And so we also need to be connected in. Connected in, as it's talking about, to the vine, which is Christ. I must remain in the vine and neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. And John 15.2 refers to avoiding distractions. He says he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so it will even be more fruitful. We need to prune out the distractions, prune out the stuff in our life that will deter us from achieving that goal that takes away from what God has called us to. And so one of the key things there is having an intimate time with God, learning to tune in and do battle in the spiritual world. 
Dependence on God is all important. And the major aspect that impressed God about Caleb's attitude was he was fearless to take on the promised land. And um, we see other examples and, and no doubt some of the other characters that, that the uh, speakers are going to be looking at will be um, characters like David. But I always encourage with the story of David and it reminded me of Caleb that while Saul was there trembling in his tent and, uh, and fearing, fearing Goliath, God was preparing David. David, the little shepherd boy. David, who didn't look like a great warrior, but God was training him. He was training his ear to hear. When you look at the Psalms that David wrote, you realise that he was in tune with God and he was listening to God. And, David, and God was looking for somebody who would listen because he knew Saul wasn't. And um, the interesting thing is God knew Goliath was coming, but Saul didn't. In fact, I don't think David did, but God did. And God knows the giants we're going to face. God knew the giants were in the, the promised land where he was going to send, those, send Israel. He just wanted to see what they were made out of, and he found out that it was only two out of the 12 that had their faith in him. And so he waited till that's all he had to work with. And so let's remember that we, if we want to fulfill, if we want to fulfill the destiny and the purpose God has for us, we need to develop our faith. We need to develop our fight. And remember, it starts in our mind. And we need to develop our focus and, uh, and seek him. And if I can just read from Philippians 3.13, it says, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on to the goal to win the prize for which Christ has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So let's do that. We, we don't necessarily take hold of it here. It's, it's an ongoing thing, but we need to press on. And remember that it's the little feet that follow. Follow our actions and our examples. It's an intergenerational effect. It's not just what we do with our own lives. It'll affect the generations to come. So our faith, faith flows to the next generation. And that just makes it all the worthwhile.